Good morning. Glad everybody's here this morning. It's so good to see you. My name is Todd Hollybeck. I have the privilege of serving as an elder on the elder board here at River Rock Bible Church. And my family is uh, also here. All, all four of them are here with me. Uh, my wife, Jen, and uh, Bo, Cody, and Megan. Um, for those of you that, that don't know me, uh, I'm a financial advisor, financial planner by trade. That's my day job. And uh, grew up here in Georgetown. Uh, it's interesting, though, we've been trying to get back to Georgetown. And finally, on Christmas Eve, we moved back to Georgetown officially. Um, so we're going to continue in the generous series today. And <clears throat> as Charlie talked about the gift of giving, uh, today we're going to be talking about the gift of treasure. And the, uh, one of the themes that I'd like for us to think about today and, and keep on the forefront of our mind comes from Matthew 6, verse 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So that's what I want us to keep in mind today as we're thinking about being generous and uh, thinking about our treasure. So let's seek his kingdom first and his righteousness. And also, I'd like to uh, help uh, for everyone to kind of keep things in perspective also. I, uh, during my day job as a financial planner, I like to, I feel like I, it's my job to help people keep perspective on their finances, keep perspective on uh, what's going on in their financial world. And when I do speaking engagements or I have seminars and things, uh, there's a letter that I like to read to folks. And uh, so here's how, how it goes. A college sophomore once wrote a letter back to her parents, which said, Dear Mom and Dad, college is a ball. There are parties every night in our dorm, but sometimes they get a little out of hand. Last night, for instance, my roommate Jenny left her cigarette burning, and it burned up, <clears throat> it burned up our room and several others. Not to worry. No one was hurt, and the dorm mother said it will only cost you guys $20,000 to repair the damage. As you can imagine, I'm not real popular around here now, so I have decided to move to Alaska with my new boyfriend, Johnny, which ought to be a real nice place to raise the baby. <laughs> Hope to see you both soon, Kim. So such a letter would strike terror into any parent, but thankfully, Kim had a P.S. P.S. I don't smoke or drink. My dorm room isn't burned up. I don't know anyone named Johnny, nor am I expecting to start a family anytime soon. I just wanted you to keep things in perspective. I made a D in chemistry, <laughs> but I'll do better next semester. So, keeping things in perspective. And so, as I talk with folks throughout the week, I, I try to encourage them not to just think about their investments or their money in three to six months or even three years. I say, let's think about how these things are going to perform and what, what we're going to be doing with them 30 years from now. But Jesus, on the other hand, is the ultimate investment counselor. He's the ultimate financial planner. And what he says is, hey, I don't want you thinking about what your dollars, what your treasure going to be doing 30 years from now. I want you thinking about what they'll be doing 30 million years from now. So he's thinking that far out. So that's what I want us to encourage want to encourage you guys today is to be thinking eternal. Let's think eternal perspectives. Uh, when it comes to biblical finances, really, we could be having a series of six to eight weeks long or even longer. Um, but, so we're going to kind of fly through it today at about a 30,000-foot level and just hitting on a few key points along the way. I think it's interesting how the church in general kind of tends to shy away from finances and giving 
um, whether lots of different reasons for it could be considered taboo or it's a faux pas or, or even there could be some type of favoritism uh, that when you start talking about finances or people puffing themselves up. Um, and, and even River Rock has to some extent been, uh, uh, been victim to that. But what we want to do and what we want our the folks that go to River Rock Bible Church is to think about, okay, if we, we talk about, hey, how can we help you be a better father, mother, friend, spouse, coworker? Um, what are you struggling with? How can I help you there? So let's, uh, as a church body, let's really start trying to encourage each other more and be open and be transparent about how we're giving or if we're struggling with giving. Um, here's one of the reasons why that I think we should keep it on the forefront is that obviously Jesus thought it was very important to talk about your treasure and your money. Um, he talks about money more than heaven and hell combined. 17 of his 38 parables talk about treasures and your possessions. 2,172 verses in the Bible deal with possessions, money, and treasure. So to me, that says Jesus thinks that's pretty important. And he knows where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. Um, let me give you a biblical definition of money. Um, well, before I do that, let, let me just say too, kind of throw in a little asterisk or footnote, that as Charlie mentioned last week, we, uh, we're, as a church, we're meeting budget. Actually, we're a little under budget. So this is not something where we're talking to you saying, hey, we need you to give. We, uh, we want this for you and not from you. And God wants this for you and not from you also. Um, but let me give you a biblical definition of generosity. Generosity at its core is a lifestyle. A lifestyle in which we share all that we have, are, and ever will become as a demonstration of God's love and a response to God's grace. I want you to kind of think about that, that it's more of a response to God's grace. It's not necessarily a feeling, well, I'm feeling generous today, so I'll give the church some money. It's a response that takes some time, and it is a habit that you have to, like any other biblical habit, whether it's prayer or reading your Bible, it's a habit that you have to form over time. Um, one of the other things that I want us to think about is uh, being a steward versus being an owner. Um, God, obviously, is the owner of everything. Uh, he is in control, and everything that we've been given has been given to us by God. Um, but he expects the resources that he gives us to be invested back into his kingdom. Um, we're all stewards. How do we know we're all stewards here? It's very simple. Because we come into this world with what? Nothing. We leave this world with what? Nothing. So... We are stewards. We're, God just wants us to manage and control things in between. You know, it's easy to get caught up. We think we're the owners. Um, we have this, our savings account. It's our IRA. It's our 401k. It's our cars. It's our boats. It's our, uh, <laughs> it's our kids, even. But God expects us to manage and guide those things along the way for his glory. It's just a mindset shift. Um, here, here's a good illustration that I want to, to bring up. Bo, if you could come up here and help me. Um, my kids are really very good at uh, handling their money and managing their money. But, and these are actually some of Bo's dollars. So, Bo, I'm going to give you $10 here. So, this is an illustration that Dave Ramsey, a pretty noted uh, writer and also a uh, radio show host that he uses... And so let's say, what if Bo 
wasn't very generous and wasn't very giving. And I said, Bo, I'd like to give you five more dollars. But he's clamped down on those. Here, take it, Bo. He's clamped down. He's got a closed fist. He can't take any more in. But what if I said, Bo, how much would you like to give to the church? How much would you like to give back to God? Two dollars. Two dollars, okay. And then how much would you like to save or invest for the future? A dollar. So now, see how his hands are open? I could put that money in his hands, and it's actually worth more than he started with. So, not necessarily, thank you, Bo, appreciate it. We're, we're not about prosperity theology here, where the more you give to God automatically, for sure you're going to get more back, but we do think it's very important to keep an open hand with what we have been given, so that God can bless us, God can give us more. Um, so let's talk about our motivation. I hit on it a little bit earlier when we talked about generosity and how it was defined, but what's our motivation uh, for giving back? Uh, the gift of God's grace shapes our faith and leads us to the conviction that we all have. Our time, talent, treasure, and testimony has been given to us for a purpose. And our motivation is to give back to God because he gave to us first. You think of John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So he gave to us so we could have the ultimate gift in the end. And that should be our motivation to giving back to God. Obviously, there are barriers to generosity, especially here in the U.S. We get caught up with materialism, um, wanting the latest and greatest iPod, TV, car, whatever it may be. Um, another barrier is debt, our own debt, and that leads back to materialism. Um, also, I think a, a barrier to being generous uh, with church and, and with any organization is uh, sometimes there's some skept- skepticism where you're like, I don't know if I really trust what I'm giving this money to. Um, another barrier is just ignorance to God's word uh, that you just don't know or flat-out disobedience, where you know that God wants you to give back, but you're just disobedient to that. Um, it may, like I mentioned before, may, may sound self-serving to be talking about giving to a church, uh, but we don't, we don't really think it is. Um, why is that? Because um, the church, the local church, is the primary tool that God uses to spread his mission and vision. Um, I didn't come up with that. Charlie didn't come up with that. That's what he's been doing, and it's been working for 2,000 years now. So that is a reason to support the local church, because it it is the primary tool for spreading his mission. Um, So this morning, kind of want to talk to you about your whole financial picture and about stewardship. And it's not just about uh, a list of things, but it's a mind shift. It's about rearranging and uh, reprioritizing how you view and how you look at your money and your resources. Uh, Ron Blue, in his book entitled Master Your Money, said that there are five basic categories in which we use our money. And so the first one is we spend it. That's, we spend it, it's my money, it's my paycheck, came to me, so I'm going to spend it on what I want to spend it on. Um, The next is we repay debt. That goes back to the materialism piece of it. Uh, We pay taxes, we have to do that, we don't want to go to jail. And uh, then we save it, and then if there's any left over, we give it. We give it away to somebody in need, or we give it back 
to the church or get back to God. Um, Ron Blue then goes on to say that there are two things that determine how we break it into those five categories. It's prioritize, it's our priorities. How do we view what we've been given? And it's also self-control. So whether we re- have a written budget or not, everybody has a budget. Is what they think is important in their mind of, okay, let's do this, this, and this. But then the self-control factor comes in where we go to the mall or Amazon.com or Cabela's or Academy. But let's not think of that. Let, let me use my wife as an example. She is a, uh, she's a very good cook and getting better and better, as you can see, uh, as the longer we've been married. And so when we have folks over uh, for dinner, she goes to the store and she buys fresh chicken, fresh steaks, fresh vegetables, fresh bread. And when she comes home, that's what she prepares and serves to the guests and us. It's not when we invite somebody over, it's not, hey, let's go to the back of the fridge and get that cheese, a little bit of cheese out of there. There's some, oh, is that spaghetti? What is that? And then over here, we're going to give them some Oreo cookies that we just happen to have. Um, so that's what we do for God sometimes. We serve him the leftovers. Uh, we, we don't want to be, uh, we want to give God the finest. We want to go to the store and get the freshest and things. So just thinking of your priorities, that's what we want on the forefront of our mind is Let's give God our very best and not the leftovers at the end. Um, let, let's look at a pastor out of, pastor passage out of Matthew. Matthew chapter 6, if y'all want to turn there. <clears throat> Starting in verse 24. It says, No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. <clears throat> so what do you spend your time thinking about? That's what Jesus is saying right there. He's saying, what do you spend your time thinking about? If you only had three days left to live on this earth, would you be thinking about your possessions or would you be thinking about relationships and your relationship with God and relationship with Jesus? Um, goes on to say, therefore I tell you, this is verse 25, I tell you, do not worry about your life what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. It is, is it not more important than food? The body is more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add one single hour to his life? So if you're looking in, like my Bible, those are in red letters. That's Jesus making a promise to us, and he's saying, do not worry. God's going to provide for us. Um, Verse 28 goes on to say, And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. That is how God clothes the grass of the fields, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire. Will Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So once again, Jesus really driving that point home. Do not worry. So don't worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom. Seek first his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So don't think like an owner. Let's trust God, and he's going to provide for us. He doesn't want us worrying. 
<clears throat> so what I want us to think about when I listed off those five things that we use our money for, I want us to think about reversing that or flipping that over. So if you're taking notes on your outline, um, next to that, or in between the two columns, write an arrow from number one down to number five, and then from five up to one. And in the middle, write flip the priorities. So now on top, we'll be giving first, right off the top. That's how Jesus wants us to, to view our money. It's not ours, it's his. We're stewards, we're managing and guiding it along the way. When, when I got my first job in, uh, out of college, uh, Jen and I were still engaged. I'd been interviewing all that spring semester and finally accepted a job. And so we were starting to think about how we were going to be blending our money, which we didn't have hardly any of back then, and how we were going to spend our money. And so just interesting, I'm sure some of y'all have experienced it too, where you bring two people that have grown up separately in, in different cultures, different church settings, different families, just how people view things differently. So uh, my first job, I got paid 37000 dollars a year. I thought, wow, that's a lot of money. What am I going to do with all this money? And um, so, but after that, I started telling Jen about it, and so I said, well, you know, that's 3000 excuse me, that's, uh, yeah, $3,083 a month. And so, we need to first give $308.33 to the church. And she said, no, 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 we're not doing that at all. That is way too much money to give to the church. Uh, how she had been brought up is whatever you had in your pocket, as the plate went by, you kind of just threw it in there after the fact. And so it was interesting as we grew. I, I'll never forget how we had that conversation. We were sitting in my room kind of just with pen, pen and pad out going through those things. And uh, so to our credit, not saying self-righteous by any means, but that's how we do our finances now, where uh, the way my income is, it fluctuates uh, month to month. And so she doesn't get a copy of the pay stub. She sends me an email and says, what was your January paycheck? And so what she does then is moves it decimal point over one for 10%. And that's what our tithe is for that month. And, and that's off the gross amount also. And so uh, we just started that habit early on and we've continued through it. And um, that's just how we view our money and, and what God's given us. Um, not to say that we haven't had financial struggles along the way. Um, there, there's been many times where it's been rocky and rough, but we've tried our best to, to continually give to God what's God's on the front end. And once we've done that, we even seek to where else can those resources go? What else can we give to? Um, so give first is how I want you to think about it in your head. Uh, and then I want you to save. I want you to save for a future hope. I want you to save for a future unexpected need. I want you to save so you have the ability to help somebody else that may be in need down the line. Um, how cool would that be to somebody's, say, maybe adopting a child uh, and they're $1,000 short and they're saying, I don't know where this money's going to come in and you could, and your family could anonymously give $1,000 that you had saved away to help accomplish that goal of adopting a child. How cool would that be? On the other hand, how would it be if you don't have that saved away because the materialism, the debt's been consuming you where you say, man, I would love to be able to help them out, but we just can't right now. So that's how I want y'all to be thinking is saving for not only your 
unexpected future need, but maybe it's somebody else's that God wants you to help along the way. Um, and then we have to pay our taxes. We always have to put that in there. And then next one down is repay our debt and repay our bills. What we don't want to do is get loaded on with debt, uh, especially consumer debt, where we, we can't give and we have a hard time saving. Um, 50 to 60% of the average Americans pay uh, $1,000 or more in interest on credit card debt every year. If you think about that, that's an incredible amount of just the interest, not to mention what the principal on those notes are. Um, and then, finally, you can spend it. So give, save, pay your taxes, repay your debt, and then spend at the end. So think about that, and think about that order as you're prioritizing your, your financial world. I think about this also. Let me talk to the parents real quick. If your kids are selfish, the best cure for selfishness is giving. Teach them how to be a cheerful giver. Model that for them. And they will all of a sudden start being generous and not so selfish with their stuff. Um, remember, God does not want our money. He wants our hearts. He's the owner. He owns everything. So this morning, I'm going to give you guys a challenge. And the first challenge is to start tithing, if you're not. Start somewhere. Um, do, do what you can. But I'd say a, a goal, and even the New Testament, some could argue, but a goal would be 10% minimum. Um, but if you can't do that, start somewhere. Um, the problem, I think, sometimes in, in statistics would show that the more you have, the harder it is to give. Meaning, statistics would say that the less you have, the higher percentage you give. And, and here's why, I think, is because, say you're just given a salary of $10, it's pretty easy to say, ah, I can give $1 away. That's not too bad. But let's say your salary is $10,000 or $1,000. If your salary is $1,000, a $100 bill is a little harder to give away. And it goes on and on. If your salary is 100000 you feel like, wow, $10,000. And... I can't give that much away. God is not enamored with the dollar amount. He knows, and it's his money, and he's not enamored, whoa, $10,000. Um, but sometimes it's hard for us. So think that, and, and uh, maybe you're convicted of that, even this morning. Um, <clears throat> here's something else I want to challenge y'all with along those same lines is um, having and, and testing God. In Malachi 3.10, it says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. So that's the only place in the Bible that God says, test me. He said, test me in this, said the Lord, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing on you. Um, so think about that even this week. Write that down, Malachi 3.10, the only place where God says, test me in that. And, and what I want us to also think about is not necessarily how much I should give, but how much should I keep. And so, once again, reversing that order of your mind of what, is, what do I need to keep? I can give away the rest of it, not what's the minimum that I can have to give away. Um, it's interesting, too, just growing up in the church and serving in different capacities and different leadership roles, I've yet to hear somebody say, you know what, we, did, we tithed and I regretted it. I, I'm glad, <laughs> I'm so disappointed that, that we tithed to the church uh, as much as we did last year. Um, 
So, um, give back to his church. Uh, give back to yourself by saving. Pay your taxes. Uh, leverage our potential. Let's get out of debt. Let's, let's uh, not get caught up in that. Not to say that I'm a absolutely against debt, but I am against debt for something that we've already eaten or we've already worn or that's depreciating uh, in, uh, as far as an asset is concerned. And then spend the rest. Um, and just remember where our money is, that's where our heart goes also. So challenge one is start giving somewhere. Um, start with something. If you're not, start. And that would be what I challenge you to do. Uh, the next challenge I'd have is uh, we're uh, in this generous series. We're having a serve day. Our connections team is working on a couple of different projects throughout the community uh, where we can go back and serve. And that's going to be on April 12th. So come serve with your, as, as a church body and let's give back to the community. Let's be generous with our time. And then on April 13th, uh, we're going to have what's called a Give Back Sunday, a celebration. And this is where we want you to come and give above and beyond what, what uh, you normally would be given to the church. And this will go straight to local missions and global missions. Um, it, it'll also go to uh, church planting. And, and here's the other thing with that. What we want it for is to go to local missions is this could even be going towards helping a church member or, or somebody that's attending the church uh, with one of their needs they may have. Um, so that's what we want to do. We want to be modeling as a church body and as, as leadership team, we want to be modeling what we're asking you to do is giving back to those. And that's what we're, uh, we want to show and, and, and model for you. And going back to the eternal perspective and God's perspective, don't, not Kim's perspective that we learned about earlier, I want y'all to, to think eternally, even this week. And, and I would even pray that God would convict you, uh, if need be, this week. Uh, I think a lot of times that what would happen if our church or any church body, if everybody was giving 10% of what they made, what could we be doing with that money? We'd have to go and find people to help and say, hey, we would like to give this money to help you out. Um, we could be such a blessing to this community, to 78628, 78633, 78626. We could be a huge blessing to this community. And so um, I just want generosity to define us here at, at River Rock Bible Church. Um, I want the, the people to see that, gosh, that church is generous. And that's one of the main traits that they see. And, and they say, well, why are they so generous? And we would say, well, it's because... We've received God's grace, and that's just our response back to him. So let me pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truths that it holds. Uh, we, would, we thank you for uh, allowing us um, just to participate in the church body, Lord. Help us to, uh, even today and throughout this week, help us to um, just have a better idea and, and better uh, state in our own mind of what our priorities should be and what they really are and not be uh, fooling ourselves of what they need to be, Lord. Uh, we know you've instructed us to be generous and just help us and show us even this week ways that we can be generous. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.